Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am your humble host, constant doubter of Alvin Kamara and believer in Cam Newton, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by some of the guys. We have resident old man, the duck father, and recovering Texans fan, Clark Barnes, and the working girl, Jordan Love, superfan and offensive line expert, Jordan Smith. We may or may not be joined by Ginger Nick later, later today, but we'll see. Uh, guys, how are we doing? Doing great, Pete. Oh, doing well. Doing well. <laughs> Jordan forgot that we were on a show or that we were a podcast for a second. <laughs> no, I'm just, uh, I'm trying to get my notes up because I think I have some spicy ones today. Ooh, saucy. Oh, looks like uh, I just, breaking news. <laughs> looks like Nick is joining us. He just responded. So, uh while he while we wait for him to log on, I did want to quickly talk about because it has been a very obviously eventful weekend to say the least. Uh, personally, for myself, I had uh, a lot of emotions welled up inside of me watching what went down. People remembering George Floyd uh, and the countless other Black lives that have been taken by police, uh, and while marching and protesting against the racial inequality and police brutality and systematic oppression that is very prevalent in this country. Uh, both Beck and I went to college outside of Minneapolis and it's where we've been planning ultimately after she finishes law school about moving to and starting our family. And we have lots of friends and family there. Uh, and so it, it feels wrong to me to not be a part of this and not be fighting for a community that Becca, both, both Becca and I plan on being a part of one day. So I don't know if you guys want to, you know, if have anything you want to say, but I wanted to open the show just sharing what I've been feeling and to say that it's well past time for privileged white men like myself uh, to take action in that remaining silent or as people on Twitter love to say, sticking to sports is no longer an option for us. So since I haven't been able to donate my time, I've been donating money to organizations across the country and I encourage everyone listening to do the same. But, uh, but ultimately just, I hope everyone's staying safe amidst both a pandemic and uh, and these protests. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts, none of which that I think I can cover quickly uh, in the allotted time. But I hope that that doesn't discourage either of y'all or uh, any of the listeners from doing so. Uh, one thing that I you know noticed a long time ago about Twitter is that uh, it can be an overwhelming environment. And if that's where you're getting all of your information, keep in mind that, uh, you know, that social platform exists to keep your attention and what you may be seeing on there may not reflect kind of what a lot of people uh, think. So just try not to go down the rabbit hole too much and uh, keep your head up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, I would say it's a great time to um, like 
talk to people, particularly um, any black friends or family members that you might have in your life, not for the purpose of, uh, I don't know, trying, trying to be some sort of savior, but just to try to learn and understand from people um, what might they be going through right now, what their thought process, processes might be. Um, personally, I can say just based on the way that I look, I like, I get anxiety talking about it right now. Um, I didn't leave my house for a couple of days last week because it gives me anxiety when stuff like this happens. And I think about like walking around the neighborhoods here and uh, it's, it can be scary for some people. So like, I don't know, just, just try to talk and listen to others during this time. Hi, Nick. Yo, hey guys. Yeah. Things are a little hectic over here, but, uh, so, sorry, I'm late to the party. Um, I, uh, understand that we're, we're touching on the current. Yeah, if you just, if you just have something States. you want to, yeah. If you just want to say, if there's anything you want to say, if not, no worries. We'll, we can jump right into football. I just, I just yeah, want to uh, share feelings and I, Clark and Jordan also. Sure. Yeah. Uh, support the protesters. Uh, you guys, uh, I, I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, a, uh, a protester friendly podcast here. Um, yeah. All of, um, Nick and awesome. I need to do our four hour potathon to, to break this down. I feel like, uh, we could have fun Clark. doing that. But I am ready to do a Nick Clark podcast yeah. spinoff, dude. If people, if people, we can do it. We can, Fuck uh, it. It's our podcast channel. We can do whatever we want with it. That's true. Yeah, we can. We can give some uh, <laughs> some six hour dialogues. I mean, if we get I, five people mentioning that they want to hear this on the Twitter, then, stream, we are, we will do then, then the uh, politics podcast is coming hot and heavy. Yeah. Uh, but we are talking football. Uh, as a as a release as a distraction you know it's like Clark said it is very easy to get caught in the rabbit hole of just kind of watching all of this unfold on social media on the news on whatever platform you use so it is sports are a great distraction from these things and a great way to take your mind off of off of everything that's going on obviously we've with the pandemic that's been a little harder to do but hey Football seems like it could be on its way. Who knows? So we're oh, just going to keep it's going. Happening. It's happening. It's happening. It's, it's happening. Uh, quickly, there's no news, but I did want to quickly touch on this because I saw it. Uh, Deshaun Jackson said that he thinks that since instead there won't be crowd noise, instead of having crowd noise, that all the players should just be mic'd up so that you can oh, hear yeah. everything that they're saying, which I am so for. A hundred percent, every player should be mic'd up and unfiltered. Let's just hear all and stream it on HBO. Five it's just gonna be one long beep if it's on ABC. <laughs> it's just it's just gonna be expletive after expletive after expletive. But uh, I think that's a brilliant idea. So I'm I'm here to support Deshaun Jackson in that. Uh, we started this last week. We talked. We took a deep dive into the quarterback position for 2020, and we are going to continue with the running back position now. Uh, and we have five categories, exactly like uh, the QB. But we'll quickly just review. We're going to talk who is a player who we think is going to be a top five at the position, who is being drafted inside the top 12, but won't be, won't finish there. Uh, who is a running back? Not enough people are talking about one bold prediction and then our number one target. And I know I'm dropping this on you guys right now, but 
I did say for my number one target, I picked two backs since backs, you do tend to draft multiple running backs. So if you guys have one or two number one targets that you guys are really targeting, uh, feel free to share those. Let's start though. Top five. Who's going to finish in the top five at a running back? Uh, Clark, why don't we start with you? Who's your guy who you're confident is going to be top five back this year? Yeah, so I was telling people before we got started that I had uh, one running back in mind that covered almost all of these categories and had to to break it out a little bit. But this is not my bold prediction. My top five guy who's not going in the top five, uh, who's not just going to be top five, but he's going to be the top running back in football this year is Nick Chubb. Uh, we've got a new coach going to Cleveland. I think Cleveland sputtered a little bit last year, again, under an inept uh, head coach and front office. Chubb showed that he's the real deal. Still had a fantastic year last year. Uh, team's going to have to keep track of Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham in a uh, zone running scheme rollout style offense. I hope uh, that Stefanski brings that over from the Vikings. I just, I love Nick Chubb. I've been secretary of the Nick Chubb fan club for a long time, and this I'm going to wear true. the Nick Chubb number one jersey this year. I believe the fan club was called uh, Chubb for Nick Chubb fan club. Is what you were president, founder, and treasurer. Wildly appropriate. Of. Yeah, wildly appropriate. Yeah. Um, I do you ha- are you not worried at all about Kareem Hunt's uh, role in that offense and possibly bringing uh, Chubb's value down? So it would be better if he. It would be better for Nick Chubb's fantasy value <laughs> if uh, Kareem Hunt was not there. But no, I just I'm I'm all in. Uh, there's plenty of action to go around. Uh, Dalvin Cook did fine with Alexander Madison uh, nipping at his heels last year. You know, Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram have both done fine sharing a backfield. So in a prolific offense, there's plenty of room for two backs, you know, one to be a viable flex and one to threaten for the overall number one. Yeah, I agree with this one. Like uh, I'll touch on this one a little bit later as well. So I won't dive too far into it. And Clark already gave tremendous examples as to why, uh, Nick Chubb uh, can succeed. Uh, offensive line improvements, just general offense, offensive scheme improvements, that sort of thing. And Nick Chubb is um, kind of just on on the fringe in terms of uh, where he's ranked for ADP right now. And in terms of getting into the top five, I think he's like RB nine right now or something. RB he's seven. close. He's not way fantasy, out. Yeah. Fantasy yeah. pros has him. Are their their amalgamation is RB eight. Yeah. He, he's very close. Um, we saw cream hunt get a little bit of usage last season that could go up a little bit this year as well. But um, I, I just like Nick Chubb's big playability. They'd be really dumb not to give him as many reps as possible. So I think that um, maybe the strongest part of what you had to say there, Clark, was bringing up Alexander Madison. Uh, the the Dalvin Cook being able to produce in Stefanski's, uh, Stefanski's system with a really good backup. I think that's a, a, an excellent point. I hadn't considered it. I think that there's some daylight between Kareem Hunt's receiving ability and Alexander Madison. I think Hunt is one of the like best pass catching backs in the league. Um, but I, I really did like that point. Uh, I. I'm I'm sort of surprised this is not your bold prediction because this is probably I'm the like biggest. super hyped for this bold prediction now. <laughs> this bold yeah, prediction, yeah. this bold prediction is going to be absurd. It's yeah, it's that he's also going to like play wildcat quarterback or something. <laughs> um, Nick Chubb's throwing I, for fifty touchdowns. 
So I'm not as uh, optimistic, though, that that um, that Chubb. I don't think he's going to be the RB one. I do think Kareem Hunt. Yeah, he's going to eat in. Uh, I, I think he'll have between ten and twelve touches per game, and unfortunately, I think he's going to steal the valuable receiving work. So for me, Chubb's still going to be in the the back half of the RB ones. But uh, perhaps my sneaky aspect to add to this is. One of the reasons that we really liked Chubb last year was because we believed he had he would have really high touchdown equity because we thought this offense was going to be scoring so much that even if, for whatever reason, he's not necessarily getting a ton of between the 20s attempts, they're just going to live in the red zone. And so if the volume is perhaps not there with Kareem Hunt, the, the amount of touchdowns that he scores could be in contention for overall uh, lead uh, rushing score in the NFL, uh, meaning rushing TDs. So I, I like this pick a lot. I'm, I'm also a, a big time fan of Nick Chubb. And I, I love your audacity of going number one overall. Well, we'll stick in the, uh, the, what is it? AFC North. Uh, Cause my top five guy who I think is going to finish uh, up there is, is Joe Mixon. I've been, I'm really on the Joe Mixon bandwagon this year. I just think obviously the Bengals offense, well, you, I hope Hope it's going to be more explosive with Joe Burrow under center. Uh, they also invested a first round pick last year and Connor Williamson, I think, was that their offensive line who they took, um, who was injured Williams. Williams. Uh, so their offensive line is going to get, you know, a boost even with, with having a first round talent basically coming in this year after I don't, he was on IR all last season. So, and we already saw Joe Mixon was highly productive. It took him a little bit of time to get the gears going, but he was very productive last year with Andy Dalton and that atrocious pass defense, uh, pass offense. So he was constantly seeing, you know, stacked boxes and defenses really selling out to, to stop him. And he was still productive. And I think with Joe Burrow under center with, you have Tyler Boyd with AJ Green with you're hoping John uh, John Ross stays healthy and continues to kind of show what we, flash what we saw last year that Joe Mixon has a great chance to uh, to leap, jump into that top five ranking for this year. Yeah, I think Joe Mixon is really good, uh, but just to offer the the counterpoint to all of the good points that you brought up, which I I believe is why he's going uh, relatively so high and why an optimistic outlook. For Joe Mixon is uh, certainly not a bad opinion. Uh, this is the kind of guy that I'll usually shy away from. There are so many unknowns and so many other people in that area that I feel a little bit more solid with. No knocks against Joe Mixon's talent. You know, like maybe not top in the league, but Joe Mixon is very good. And he was productive in a almost completely inept and dysfunctional uh, Bengals offense last year. But as the question marks add up, generally my interest level in a top pick like this will go down uh, so I'll I'll probably be passing on Mixon I like uh the Mixon pick he gets um a little bit dinged up every now and then not so much to like miss several games in a row but like lingering injury type of things um but he he also did something that you kind of like out of fantasy running backs and that's like ended the season on a pretty good run like it seemed like he started putting more things together uh, generally, I would be worried about a running back sharing a backfield with a rookie QB because uh, just stack the box and make the rookie QB try to pass to beat you. Uh, but Joe Mix or Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow, that's going to be a tough one, is going to <laughs> already be better than what the Bengals were starting last year. So I don't anticipate a whole lot of changes in the way defenses approach them. They might even be a little bit more on their heels with Joe Burrow compared to 
see, I'm already blanking who they were rolling out with after Andy Dalton. I don't even really remember. Doesn't matter. A, a tackle dummy. Uh, Ryan, to your Ryan point, Finley. There you go. To your point, Jordan, uh, Joe Mixon from weeks 10 onward finished RB4 in PPR and standard league. So you're right that he he was like producing at the back end of the season, which also probably for me as in one of my redraft leagues, I had Joe Mixon. Uh, and so he was like, thriving right as the fantasy playoff started so i also was left with a very good taste in my mouth about joe my joe mixon drafts i'm i'm riding it again in 2020 so you snuck in and made the point that i was going to make there uh pete with his second half of the season explosion and that occurred largely when the Bengals finally just committed to using him as the featured running back in in the scheme um he's extremely talented uh and he specializes in, in pass catching. He's, a, he's an excellent runner as well. But when you have the 20 to 23 touch running back who is an exceptional pass catcher, that uh, elevates them into elite territory. So I think that this, uh, I think that the, the top tier of running backs that uh, over the last maybe three years has been largely a debate of who the top three is. Uh, if for 2020 is more of a top, eight or top nine discussion where there's really not a lot of daylight between them. And my, my point here is that I, I, there is not a lot of daylight. I don't think between Joe Mixon and guys like Christian McCaffrey, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. So uh, yeah, I, I like this a lot. Nick, go right into your top 10, uh, top five guy. Okay, cool. So uh, this, yeah, you know, forgive me, Clark, if you want to tune out, go for it, my man, uh, Derek Henry, he's going to be top five. <laughs> and and uh, I'm hedging my bets a little bit here. Just, you, you know, we, we have an, an injury prone uh, or an oft injured Dalvin Cook. That's not to say he will be hurt again this year. We had Alvin Kamara, who uh, took a little bit of a, a TD uh, regression step backwards last year. He's due for positive regression this year. We'll see uh, if that happens. But what we know now is that Derrick Henry is the engine of this offense. He's going to be getting over 20 touches per game. And the fact that they got rid of Deion Lewis bodes extremely well. He only caught a couple screen passes, but when he did. When Derrick Henry caught a screen pass, Nick's phone blew up. All right. Hey guys, sorry. I'm back. Can y'all hear me? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yes. The, so, uh, uh, Derrick Henry and screen passes is where we lost yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. I, I don't know if you guys see, well, I, everybody's kind of, everyone's kind of out of control. Seattle's been pretty wild last uh, 24 hours. So we're getting a whole bunch of uh, notifications coming through. Uh, that was the curfew notification for tonight. Anyway, um, Derek Henry, yeah, he's he's a he's a beast in the screen game, and the the cutting of Deion Lewis bodes very well for his increased. I, I'm blanking on the guy. It was it Darrington Evans that they brought in to be his backup. I, he's he's a decent player, but I don't think that sure. there's now anybody. <laughs> he's like an Appalachian anybody. State back. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's a a, a small school guy. I just I think Derrick Henry he's got 20 touches 20 rushes locked in and I think he, you know he could see two to three targets per game which doesn't sound like a lot but it is and given what we talked about on the strength of schedule show where they the Titans have both the second softest overall schedule for Warren Sharp and the second softest run defense blend what's not to like yeah, so I learned my lesson on talking against Derrick Henry last year. Uh, looking at the positives, guy that's never really been hurt, guy that's clearly the number one on the team that wants to run. Uh, all the things that I don't like about him uh, aren't 
big enough to overcome those two huge things in his favor and what he's produced in his three years in the league. So uh, no more Derrick Henry hate uh, from, from my neck of the woods. Wow. Yeah. Guys, hey, this is big. This is I, big. I, you know, I'd just like it. to throw out there that it's, it's uh it's okay to be wrong and you don't have to stick to your point and go down. Guys, Clark is growing. This is this right. is like yeah. this is the heart getting three sizes that that no day. it's shrinking I hate <laughs> this I don't want to. I I will add to the Derrick Henry talk is that he signed uh, his franchise tender with the team uh, in the beginning of April so he if he doesn't get a long term deal locked in before the season we're talking franchise or not franchise contract year for yeah. Derrick Henry so. He might even start rolling a lot sooner than he normally does. <laughs> back on Narrative Street. I love it. Uh, Jordan, who's your top five back? Or who, who do you think is going to finish top five back? Uh, so we touched on Miles Sanders a little bit last week, but I want to talk about his draft class teammate, Mr. Josh uh-huh. Jacobs. Um, I think he has a chance to get into the top five this season. A lot of it has to do with, a lot of consistency for the Raiders I know that's like those are two conflicting themes right there consistency in the Oakland Raiders but they have their offensive line back from last season um they use um some resources on pass catchers but for the most part that's not going to look too different because I those are just rookie pass catchers so um it might take them a while to get integrated into the system therefore leaving a lot of um, latitude for Josh Jacobs to either continue catching passes out of the backfield and being somebody who just garners a lot of um, touches within the offense. Um, and even still, I, I'm a little shaky on Derek Carr being the starting quarterback for more than a month, despite what they might say. Um but I think even if there's a switch there, that that just bodes even better for Josh Jacobs if a new quarterback comes in and has to learn a new system. So uh, currently his ADP is RB9, um, and he put up 1,300 all-purpose yards in 13 games last year. So I, I think there's definitely room to grow for Jacobs. And uh, he, he's one of the only running backs in the league that is kind of like the guy there there's a stable of running backs behind josh jacobs but none of them are nearly as talented as he yeah i think that's the biggest plus for for josh jacobs and that was something when i was going through kind of my general list or just like looking at running backs it's really hard to find like true bell cow this guy's the unquestioned number one and there's no real other running back below him to like take a a niche role like goal line or third down like this is the guy who's going to be on the field whenever they're running the football as long as they're you know uh have you know they're not exhausted and i think you're right josh jacobs is one of those guys and that's a huge that's a huge plus for running backs this year in fantasy if you're looking at who among those kind of top 10 top eight that like Nick was talking about those top eight backs that all have potential to finish number one. You're looking for guys who have unquestioned the workload of that backfield. Yeah. I like it. Uh, lots of opportunity for Josh Jacobs watching him play last year. Uh, didn't have a lot of tape on him coming out of Alabama where he wasn't used a ton last year. He showed why he was drafted so high, absolutely wonderfully talented played hurt. And that didn't stop John Gruden from trying his damnedest to run him into the ground. Uh, those things aren't positive for Josh Jacobs, the person, but for Josh Jacobs, the fantasy asset, 
that bodes really well. I think the only thing holding Jacobs back is how dysfunctional will the Las Vegas Raiders be? Uh, he's going as RB11 in best balls. You know, you could do a lot worse than starting off with, you know, like Josh Jacobs and Julio Jones or uh, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams in your draft. So, yeah, I really like picking him as a consolation prize for folks who draw the last or the late draft slots. Raiders so, love uh, drafting Alabama players with limited tape. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, uh, as I am wont to be, uh, uh, the, the outsider on this one. Uh, and, and it comes down to, I think just, uh, we have very, we all, uh, I have a very different understanding, uh, of Josh Jacobs role compared to the three of you. So when I, when I look at the, the Raiders depth chart here, Behind him, I see Devontae Booker. I have Lynn, I see Lynn Bowden Jr., who was a hybrid wide receiver running back that the team has announced will be playing just running back. Uh, I see Jalen Richard and Rod Smith. Now, Smith is more of a, 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 a multi-usage back, but Booker, Bowden, and Richard are all pass-catching backs only, really. Uh, they, they do get a little bit of work on the ground, but these guys are, are only here to catch the rock. Uh, to me, uh, you know, teams can say a lot of things, but they they show us what their intentions are with their pocketbooks. And to basically fill out the entirety of the running back depth chart behind Josh Jacobs with pass catching backs only, and with him having had such a small amount of receiving game work last season, I don't think that this signals that they're going to be changing his workload to more of a uh, dual threat type deal. I think that Josh Jacobs is an outstanding player. I think he's an outstanding rusher but I'm really concerned uh, for his ceiling, sort of like the, the antithesis to what I was talking about with Joe Mixon, where if we get this guy who's really going to use very good at pass catching, he's going to get a lot of targets that then we like that, but he, he's missing that key part of the, the equation there. So for me, he's, he's much more on the uh, more of like a top 15 guy than a top five. Uh, well, let's use that then to just segue into running backs who are being drafted in the top 12, who we think will ultimately finish outside of the top 12. And I don't know what list you guys want to use. I'm just looking right now at fantasy pros because they do the whole like average consensus of five different sources. So I figure, Hey, if we're averaging five different sites, probably gives you a good idea as to where people are going. Uh, so the top 12 that includes Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Derek Henry, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, Kenyon Drake, and Miles Sanders. So, uh, Jordan, let's start with you. Who of those guys do you think will not, won't finish a uh, top 12 back this year? Um, so, person I think that might finish outside of the top 12 is Alvin Kamara of those. Um, we've kind of talked about him on the podcast before as, as somebody <laughs> – Clark Sorry, is Clark. logged out of the chat. <laughs> um, as somebody who just generally might not be somebody who can handle a full RB1 workload, um, he tends to get nicked up and dinged. Uh, they signed Ty Montgomery, who is not anywhere near as talented or anything like that, but I tend to think that he might be an insurance policy signing um, just in case Alvin Kamara does go down. Um, we talked about Sean Payton calling Alvin Kamara soft. That's on the DL. Um, and he's currently RB7. Uh, he's playing in a division where the Bucks have a good defense. The Panthers have retooled. And it, it just might be a little bit of a struggle for Kamara. And maybe I'm just 
weirdly prejudiced against the Saints offense, but I, I don't think they're, with the exception of Michael Thomas, as prolific as they once were. I, uh, before Clark <laughs> tears, tears us apart, I, I, Jordan, God damn it. I need to change my bold prediction now. I wish I had the stones to say this because I also, I agree that I don't, I'm not sold on Alvin Kamara given what we saw last year as when he was supposed to be like, that was his chance to take over the RB one role. And he finished RB 16 in standard and RB nine in PPR leagues. And I, I don't think I, my bold prediction was going to be that he was going to be outside the top 10 this year. And if you're going outside of the top 12, I'll take that too. The biggest thing that when I was doing a deep dive into things that kind of scared me and Nick touched on this when we first brought up Alvin Kamara on the show that he could be in line for positive regression in terms of his touchdown scoring which is fair that could be there but when he in 2018 Kamara saw 46 percent of the Saints red zone carries and that was with Mark Ingram uh, and so they were splitting it almost 50 50 we meanwhile in 2019 when he was supposed to be the top dog he only saw 37 percent of their red zone carries so if he's not like if he's not being used in that red zone, that's a huge cap to what his you know fantasy value could be. And we saw it last year where he wasn't scoring touchdowns. And if you're playing standard, obviously that's a huge hit. And even in PPR, if he's not scoring double digit touchdowns like he's done for the first two seasons of his career, that's that's you know going to put a big cap on him too and could bump him out of the top twelve. Yeah, these are these are all fine points. I think uh, <laughs> Alvin Kamara had a bum ankle last year that kept him out of a couple of games and slowed him down in a year when, uh, outside of Michael Thomas, the Saints' offense was relatively down. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater coming in and doing a serviceable job for the injured Drew Brees. Uh, but I just, you know, kind of like my tape with Josh Jacobs, Nick brings up really good points about what the team uh, may be doing, but when I am forced to bet on someone, I like to look at how they play and how they look while they're out there. I still feel like Alvin Kamara looks like he's jogging when everyone else is running. And I feel like the saints are going to score a ton of TDs. It is tough to count on those TDs. I think it's much safer uh, to take a guy like, uh, you know, Derek Henry, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley. Those guys are the guy. And I don't think we want that for Alvin Kamara, but no, I'm, I'm still, um, Still in the Kamara fan club. Yeah. So Clark, you mentioned that he, uh, that he had a, a sprained ankle. He also had a sprained MCL or perhaps the meniscus. Um, he, he tweeted some, uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was some highlight reel of, of himself from uh, last year where he said, did this on one leg. He, he is due for touchdown regression. And, and to be fair, his, uh, the first, what is it, two seasons of, of his career, his, uh, his touchdown rate was an impossibly high was, yeah, number. It yeah. was like 31 TDs in 32 games or something that, that doesn't exist. Um, uh, uh, I believe that he will come back to the 10 touchdown range. Uh, and I do think that, that he does a lot better on 18 touches than he does on 25. He's, you know, yeah, uh, like like Jordan said, um, Sean Payton drunkenly telling Evan Silva that Alvin Soft was uh, was a, a big signal. But uh, no, for me, I, I think it's it's almost impossible for him to finish outside of the the top twelve again this year. And uh, the the other teams in the division were brought up, and the Bucks do have Bucks or NFC South, AFC, AFC, no NFC, NFC, South. NFC, uh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, their defense is is the real deal. However, the the Panthers. And uh, and the Falcons' defenses are, are terrible. They're they're like noteworthy, uh, astonishingly bad. They're they're check marks on. I can't wait to have my my uh, passing game weapons 
play these teams because they're just going to be like, you know, 30 points a piece, especially uh, with, with uh, what is it, Joe Brady coming in for, for Carolina. So, no, I'm still, I'm still high on the, the Kamara bandwagon. He'll probably end up getting my uh, RB five or six uh, ranking this season uh, to enter the year. Um, yeah, much love to the, the Kamara hype train. Clark, who's a guy in the top 12 that you think will, will finish there? My top 12 was a little bit different than yours. So I originally uh, picked Aaron Jones because, uh, you know, Packers drafted a running back. Jamal Williams kept getting run last year. Aaron Jones looked really great at moments, uh, but this is complete anecdotal evidence making a point that I already thought of. Uh, You know, just wide open in Sunday night football and Aaron Rodgers lofts a pass to him. There's no one around him and he drops it. And everyone just looked crushed. And he just made a couple of plays like that, which I think is why they kept going to Jamal Williams and why they drafted someone in the second round, probably to take over for Jones next year. But tough for me to pick a guy like that. Uh, But again, I want to make my bias really clear. In your top 12, I think the most obvious one is Kevin Drake, a la repeat of Damian Williams last year a guy who has had a rough career until flashing for six games in one season. Those are guys that I generally shy away from. Uh, He didn't look fantastic in those games. I've gone back and spent a little time watching game pass instead of going crazy, watching grinding the tape. And well, so he is good and he is good enough. And what is amazing about that Cardinals offense is just manufacturing these gaping running lanes for any running back so if I'm wrong here that's why I'm going to be wrong there's so much opportunity <laughs> to be had there and Kenyon Drake is a serviceable running back for but for the list that you gave me guys outside of the 12 I'm going to say Kenyon Drake uh, comes back to what he's been his entire career outside of those uh, few games with the Cardinals last year yeah I'll I Aaron Jones if he was in this if he was in fantasy pros top 12 I think he would be my pick too he scored 19 total touchdowns last year like that's going to come back down to earth like there's no way that's going to replicate itself and so that's going to in and of itself inherently bring his fantasy value back down again and i mean clark i'm just going to agree with you 100 Kenyon drake i feel like is also i think the damian williams com, you know comparison is, is a great one because again is a similar kind of situation where it was a back who wasn't young or or you know wasn't like just on his second or third year is like has been in the year for league and for a while we haven't seen much out of him and then suddenly flashes for you know a good period of time half a season on a new team in a new offense and while I think you're right Cliff Kingsbury is going to be able to open up holes and you're going to be in and any running back can probably play super well in that in that uh backfield I do think that Kenyon Drake is a is a prime candidate to be the hype, maybe he won't live up to the to the hype that people are currently drafting him at. That's not to say, I, I, I think if you're taking him, if he's there around like 15 or 16, uh, or if, he, if he's going as like the RB 15, 16, that's great. But I think right now the RB 11, meh, meh, meh. So uh, I guess uh, we can, yeah, continue responding to both of these ones. So with, with Jones, I'm actually optimistic that the, the one that's going to, go uh when the contracts end is jamal williams because i just think he's so terrible he's good in pass pro but other than that i always hated him yeah shots fired at jamal williams (laughs) jesus yeah well what was funny i was in their rookie seasons i was way higher on jones and then i was higher on williams because mccarthy liked him anyway doesn't matter um i think that uh 
I, yeah, he's definitely going to regress in the TD department. 19 touchdowns is just a really damn high thing to, to try to replicate again. And same with what we were just saying about Kamara. Uh, touchdown re regression is a real thing. Sorry, anti-science people. It is. Um, so I, I think that he's going to drop it's science. Yeah, it's just it's science. Anchorman, it's science. But Pete, I, I'm looking at the Fantasy Pros list, and, and he is number 10. So I, I think uh, in, in ADP. So I do think that that, that pick would have worked for uh for for clark's uh oh, there. so that's if you're looking standard yeah i was i was looking at ppr but yeah standard oh, I'm looking, too. okay i'm I'm splitting the baby and looking at half point ppr oh uh, saucy yeah. don't split babies yeah don't let's split. let's keep babies together nick Crazy okay. so anyway anyway um i think that that's a i think that i would put jones on the rb12 slash 13 range i think i think he's got a, a chance to stay in there because i think that this team uh, you know, surprise, I think this team wants to run the hell out of the football. Um, so I actually like his his chances at getting high volume this year. Um, and as far as Kenyon Drake goes, no way, you guys are nuts. He, he uh, the, the Cardinals, yeah, you're right. Any any decent pass catching running back can be the lead dog in that scheme. Uh, I was listening to the, the most recent Danny C football podcast episode. Danny Kelly was talking about how he, uh, Kenyon Drake, saw eight men in the box. Uh, I believe it was 8% of the time last season. And that's a product of, uh, Cliff Kingsbury's scheme going for wide receivers. Now they they were running, you know, Demir Bird and company out there uh, last season. Now they're dropping DeAndre Hopkins out there. Whatever strength that they had that they were imposing onto the defense by spreading spreading the field and and you know making the defense go too high, et cetera, et cetera, uh, just got strengthened to an unimaginable degree with DeAndre Hopkins. So I think that. Uh, Drake, I don't think that he's necessarily a special talent. I think he's a good athlete and he's a good pass catching back. And I think in Cliff Kingsbury's scheme, that's all you need. Uh, friend of the podcast, Danny Kelly, let the record show. Yeah, I would say that um, Jamal Williams is probably already on his way out the door in Green Bay. Um, they can actually cut him this summer if they felt so inclined and only incur like a hundred K cap hit. Um, for releasing him. I don't think they will because they want to keep some backs there. And um, But that's just, that could be something to watch for that can help keep Aaron Jones um, pretty valuable. Again, he, he finished like RB3 last season in PPR. So I definitely think there is a, uh, a good chance he steps back because I don't think he's on the level of like a McCaffrey or an Elliott, like guys who are just consummate top fivers. Um, as far as Kenyon Drake goes, I kind of, like him in the cliff kingsbury offense it's like nick said with um the cardinals offense they spread them four wide single running back and just um you know run the ball as, as effectively as as they have been and i i think that's pretty good for his upside i think if i can get either of these running backs in like the second or third round i'm feeling pretty damn good about myself not first round talents, but second or third, I'm I'm feeling really great about my draft. Clark, I regret aligning myself to you. That's okay. I was right about Damian Williams, so we'll see. That's true. That's true. We You're supposed to be bold, so. Well, but but like I, yeah. I the the counterpoints to this again are very good counterpoints in that you don't have to be a world beater to make a living right. in this offense. You really don't, and that is what a second round running back in redraft looks like nick let's wrap this up uh who you who in the top 12 is falling out um austin eckler so 
it, it took last year where Eckler got 90 some targets for him to uh, crack the RB one rankings. And, and obviously this was exacerbated by uh, Melvin Gordon not being there and then being there. But uh, we, we, again, we talked about the scheme on the strength of schedule show that they play a, an easy schedule and they're changing quarterbacks, their defense is lights out. I think that they're going to be a, a grind the clock ball control team. And I think that he's going to be featured. I think that he's going to be somewhere between a rock solid and a high end RB two, but I don't think that uh, I will be ranking him as a, a top 12 option just because Josh Kelly, the rookie they drafted is a, is a talented rusher. Justin Jackson is a talented rusher. I think that they are going to employ these guys uh, in the rushing game. We don't know what Tyrod Taylor looks like at this point in his career. He, there's some fear, you know, in the uh, the rushing quarterback realm where they 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 tend to take off running rather than dump off to the running back. He he functioned really well with Lashawn McCoy in Buffalo for a long time, but but McCoy never had this kind of uh, like ninety plus. Uh, target workload they were more like 50 to 70 um and and i think that that something like that is reasonable for eckler again i think he's a really talented pass catching back but for me i'm i'm not taking him as my running back one yeah i really like this one talking about uh guys i avoid being on teams with lots of question marks always like tyrod taylor i think he's a fine qb and in another universe would have been a fine uh kind of bottom third of the league starting quarterback uh, I think Philip Rivers is better than Tyrod Taylor. And I think all the folks who are ready for Philip Rivers to move on are going to realize that this year, uh, you know, the chargers spent a lot of draft capital on a QB who they should sit, who I think Tyrod Taylor is much better than, but that's not always how it works out. I think Austin Eckler too is very talented, but overall, I think the chargers are going to take a pretty big step back and that's just going to bode pretty poorly for Eckler on top of the the points you made. Yeah, I think Eckler as like an RB1 is a little much to ask. That's that's taken a pretty big shot on draft day. Uh, they made some pretty good additions to the offensive line, bringing in Balaga and trading uh, Okung for Trey Turner, which is a net positive. But the not problems, but, you know, there's a little bit of concern with the quarterback play, and um, that's just where it's all going to start for the Chargers. So that's a little tough to see. Um, Eckler have a have another big season there. All right, we got three more categories that we're going to rattle through, uh, but before that, we're going to take a quick ad break. You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, we are back. 
And it is time to continue to talk about running backs. Three categories left. Uh, let's start with running back. Not enough people are talking about. I am going to start us off here because I have the power to do that whenever I see fit and I see fit right now. I don't think enough people are talking about Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack going as the RB 37 uh, in PPR leagues. And everyone is understanding all of the hype. The Colts drafted Jonathan Taylor. Uh, everyone's like, oh my gosh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas is back in the is back in our lives. He's in the NFL. He's going to take over the Colts backfield. We've been waiting for the Colts to have a have a true number one running back, and, and it's now suddenly going to happen. It's glorious. He's going as the RB21 in PPR. Marlon Mack last year, let me just remind you: 14 games. He started 12, 1,091 yards, eight touchdowns. And he had 14 catches for 82 yards. So prolific in the passing game. But I think it's, I don't think that enough people are giving our people, I think are quickly, too quickly jumping to this assumption that this running back, this backfield is just going to be given to Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack is going to be cast off and not be a viable part of this Colts offense, or even more so that he's going to be somehow easily replaced by Taylor. I think Marlon Mack is going to have a very strong like a very viable role in this Colts offense. And he might even hold on to that RB one spot there longer than we might anticipate given the shortened off season and just the rookie coming in. So I think him going in the late thirties or going as a late 30 running back that, uh, that is value that I'm hundred percent aboard. Yeah. I love it. Uh, we often get caught up in draft talk and forget about the established running backs in uh, in the backfield already. And sometimes halfway through the season, that can end up being the right call. Uh, but everybody left Mark Ingram for dead last year uh, because of the moves that the Ravens took. And Marlon Mack has shown that while not fantastic and not as talented as some of the guys that, we, that I believe that we've talked about taking a step back, uh, like Eckler and like Aaron Jones, uh, Marlon Mack is the guy in a relatively – difficult offense and has shown that he is just fine so to think that someone else is going to come in there and he's not going to have a role I think is silly I think you take Marlon Mack for the first half of the season and anything after that is cake uh going in the 30s again kind of the definition of a third fourth round running back but that's kind of how you get off to a fast start is you hit on those guys that people forgot about as we got excited about all of the rookies that came in uh in the offseason so Clark, uh, no, excuse me, Pete, uh, I have Marlon Mack as uh, an honorable mention for our, our fifth category. So I'll go ahead and just say what I was going to say about this right now. Uh, in half point PPR, he's coming off the board as a running back 30. As we talked on the strength of schedule show, the Colts have the number one overall uh, softest strength of schedule based on Warren Sharp's Vegas win totals model and the fourth softest run defense blend. Uh, schedule this year. So this team that loves to rush, they who run the ball in neutral game scripts at a, at a league high rate or a top three or five rate, uh, as well as when winning, it, it bodes very well for everyone in this backfield. Um, I've talked ad nauseum about how bad I think Naheem Hines is and that he's just a punt returner and, and Marlon Mack has untapped uh, pass catching potential. But even if he doesn't achieve that, I think that this guy could still see between eight and 10 carries per game. And I think that, uh, with a schedule like this and on a team like that with an offensive line like that, Mac is a guy who can absolutely be a sneaky flex or second flex play for most of the season. Yeah, man. I, I just, I believe in Frank Reich to pilot the Colts offense. Uh, they were uh, completely written off last year and Reich showed what he can do. 
super creative play caller gets guys in space and there's a reason that's a cliche and people like it so much because if you give anyone who's good enough to be in the nfl half of a step then that's just they're gone and reich did such a good job of doing that last year so i believe in the colts unfortunately to still be second place in the afc south jordan who's a running back not enough people are talking about Oh, I'm so glad this worked out because now I get to zag an incredible amount. You thought I was going bold before, but I'm going super bold right now. <laughs> this is incredible. Running back that not enough people are talking about is Jonathan Taylor. His ADP is currently <laughs> higher than Marlon Mack. Um, I know I said rookies are a general stay away this season just because of the crazy off season, but I think but not here. <laughs> I think Taylor could be the exception to the rule. He has an incredible amount of talent. They traded up in the second round to go and get him. Um, this is a, obviously there are a lot of caveats with this because nobody knows how this sort of thing is going to work out. We are a podcast that doesn't generally know the inner workings of a front office because we don't work out of the front office. Um, but they can actually just trim some fat and cut Marlon Mack if they wanted to. They probably won't and shouldn't because you should keep as much talent on your roster as possible, but they can actually, if they want to avoid a messy contract dispute or if they want to um, trade him to a team in need to get some resources back, um, they can cut him with a small cap hit of like 100K and save that $2 million that they're paying him this season. Uh, Again, that's a modest amount, so that's kind of... uh, just a caveat. It's something that, you know, is in the realm of possibility. We're all about possibilities here. Um, and I will say that Mac did gain a thousand yards last season, but he only got a hundred yards rushing in three of those games. So he didn't really get enough for me, at least on the ground and did not have enough receiving yards to compensate for that. Um, and Taylor's an all around tremendous athlete. I think that if he's, not starting right away we could very well see him being the starter for the Colts at some point during the season well everything Jordan said is wrong so bold we give you both sides of the coin here I like it going bold yeah so I mean I uh I'm I think that that he's he's being talked about in some circles but I uh to to clarify my, my points about Marlon Mack, I do think that, that Taylor's gonna be the lead dog. I, I think it's uh it's likely that he sees fifteen to eighteen carries per game. His uh dropping like eight of ten balls or whatever um PFF Mike brought up on the ATR podcast, uh, you know, indicates that he he really struggles in the the passing game and, and we'll see if he is someone who develops or if he just kind of stays like an Adrian Peterson. But I think his I mean his rushing ability is could be like next Adrian Peterson kind of a thing. He he he's uh like 5'11, 225 and runs a 439 is an exceptional uh athlete. And uh dropping him into this offense, I think that he becomes an instant uh running back too. That might be the uh, in like towards the the uh, a low end RB two, just given the 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 limitations. I think that he'll see with his workloads because he he does have Marlon Mack there that he has to fend off. But uh, yeah, I, I like Taylor. I, I think he's a, a solid pick. Something to keep in mind: uh, the NFL season is a long season. The guy who starts as the RB one may be usurped later. So, um, like I mentioned, you know, Mack may be that first half guy with Taylor picking up the second half. These are late stash guys. Well, Taylor's not, but sometimes you can get in a situation where you may not like the rookie, but you stash him anyway. 
and then that guy takes over a la Carlos Hyde departing the Browns and Nick Chubb's rise to fame. I'm just going to be a master spin artist here and say that both Nick and Jordan proved my point that no one is talking about Marlon Mack. So who's the real winner here? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> Nick, who's a back you think not enough people are talking about? Not enough people are talking about James Conner and his outrageous lats. I will be saying Those things you the, uh, were holy mother of God insane. Dude, it, yeah. Uh, Audrey Nicotina has a line where he says, back like a cobra. And I have never seen anyone encapsulate that. Literally looks like a cobra. Good guy. Yeah, uh, that I think that's a, a a good call for the uh, face of the show or whatever when you when you upload it to to Twitter this week, and I can send it to you if you need me to. But yeah, his uh, if, if people don't know what we're talking about, go look up James Conner and uh, the lats photo because his back is unlike anything I've ever seen. And I I, I think actually there's now an added risk that he's going to get a random drug test sent his way because that's the craziest thing since <laughs> the New York back Hunter. looks like a fucking surfboard. Yeah. So anyway, w- w- with Connor, w- we have a lot of things going for us. Uh, we we only talk top five strength of schedules on our, our strength of schedule show, but they're coming in. The Steelers are coming in with per, per Warren Sharp, seventh softest overall strength of schedule and the softest run defense blend. So we're looking at James Connor having like the, the best schedule he's ever had in his career. Uh, one would hope that he is fully healthy at this point. And Mike Tomlin doubled down, I believe it was a week ago, to go check it out on Roto World by saying that that Tomlin's philosophy is to have one lead back and that James Conner is that when healthy. Now, they did draft Anthony McFarlane Jr., um, but Benny Snell, ben, Benny Snell is kind of just a banger. Um, Jalen Samuel is a talented pass catcher, but Conner is really good. And just last season, he came into the year as, I believe, the, the running back nine and a half point PPR. This year, per uh, fantasy pros, he's coming up the board as the running back 23. That's ridiculous. He's coming it's off crazy, the board though. at, yeah, a low end running back too. Th- this is a guy I've been uh, starting to pound mock drafts here, and I've been getting him every round in the the uh, excuse me every draft in the fourth round. He's going to be ranked as a running back one for me when I put my twenty twenty rankings out. He's a running back one. This is uh, perhaps the best value in the draft. Yes, but the only thing I'm going to talk about him later. Yeah, go ahead. The uh, the only thing that's held James Conner back is injury and then playing with a disaster of a not having been Roethlisberger offense. Uh, I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, don't get caught up in the counting stats. Remember what happened last year. James Conner still looked really good, but was hurt. Uh, should be the RB1. And again, you know, if he can avoid injury, I'm glad we've gotten away from saying that all the time because that kind of goes for every player that we're talking about. You know, like you said, Nick, James Conner is really good. So he, he should be ranked a lot higher than, than he is. It would be impressive if you could say the opposite about a, a back. Be like, man, Derrick Henry's fantasy value is going to be great when he gets injured. Like, only if he gets injured will he be a top five court, or running back. Oh, hi, Bird. Uh, I also have James Conner for another category. Um, I, I really like Jimmy C here. Um, I think he, he hit. Uh, a certain narrative where you know he's he's injured all the time which I mean he does tend to miss a game or two and you know the drafting Benny Snell last year and drafting a running back this year but that doesn't necessarily mean that um, James Conner Conner's usage goes down for the Pittsburgh Steelers especially if Mike Tomlin is like yeah I'm a one running back kind of man so 
yeah, I can dive into that a little bit later, but Clark, let's wrap it up. Who is a running back that not enough people are chit chatting about? I can't help it. I'm going to roll it into, uh, into one, uh, not enough people are talking about David Johnson, who is going to finish inside the top five of running backs this year, not because he is the most talented running back (laughs) in the world. Uh, but Bill O'Brien has shown us who he is and he made Carlos Hyde an incredibly viable, uh, running back with the Texans. I don't think David Johnson's dead. And I'm putting it out there. I can see from the video chat that Nick is as excited about this as I am. <laughs> David Johnson, nobody's talking about him. He's going as number 24 in our drafts. Top five RB. David Johnson is so, back, baby. This will never and, die on this show. When you, when well, earlier on, when I was like, oh man, I thought you'd already done your bold prediction. Yeah, this <laughs> is the bold prediction. The way that you talk about Carlos Hyde as being a viable running back while comparing uh, DJ to being a, a top five running back. It, oh, Please don't stop. You um, can't argue with numbers, baby. Thousand yards. You can't run, argue Carlos with narrative, Hyde. guys, because I can make up anything I want. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, okay. Uh, we saw DJ in, in one season of, what was it, Mike McCoy's uh, north-south running scheme where you, you he asked a wide receiver who plays running back to just be a, a ground and pound, like lower your, your shoulder pads and go kind of a runner. Uh, and he wasn't very good at it and he had a ton of injuries, but back injuries suck. And that's something that I'm, I'm still a little bit concerned about him. If he stays healthy, uh, you know, like you were just saying, Clark, we're saying that about everybody. If he stays healthy, I can see him getting 20 touches per game, but I think that they are going to be, uh, of a means that is challenging for him to, uh, to, to perform efficiently with. So, uh, I, I am full-on fading uh david johnson although I, I i suppose i should ask okay he's coming off the boards of running back 24 i, I could see it but uh, i it, Nick's it, talking it himself just, into this the power of the no, rb1 not. podcast to me. <laughs> i think the the thing that helps david johnson most here is that he was a running back that bill o'brien has had to hear all offseason that he gave up way too much draft capital for so he's gonna want to just prove something like he's going to give him the ball and make force feed him and make him the RB one. Um, so th- that's, that's a positive for, for David Johnson in that regard. God. That's what I'm the building RB- the whole story around. That's the only <laughs> nugget that I needed to craft this bold <laughs> prediction. The RB one podcast. If you guys want to find our recording studio, it's on narrative street. <laughs> that is, that is where we record. Uh, all right. It's uh, Baxter's got back from walking Burt. So we're going to have dinner soon. So let's rock it through our last two categories. We have bold predictions. Number one targets. Clark has already given his bold prediction. I assume is David Johnson being a top five running back this year. Yeah, that's it. And I'll, I'll rattle through the others. Just targets. There's a run of best ball drafts. Number 23, 24, and 25 running backs off the board. Raheem Mostert, David Johnson, and Mark Ingram. I don't know how these guys are down there but I would, I am thrilled to have any of those guys on my team, Raheem Nostert and Mark Ingram Moore, despite my love for uh, David Johnson. But yeah, that's just a real sweet spot of solid running backs that I think people are kind of forgetting about uh, because of the counting stats. Agreed. 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 George, why don't you give us your bold prediction and number one target, whomever they may be. Uh, well, my bold prediction is uh, the guy we just talked about, James Conner. Um, if I think he can sneak into the top 12 contract year um, playing for a team in which they want a one running back 
carrying the load. Ben Roethlisberger is going to be back. Um, number one running back target right now. Uh, again, it's it's a player we already talked about. Nick Chubb, um, I, I, for kind of the same reasons we talked about with Baker Mayfield last year, uh, last year, <laughs> last week, which feels like a year ago. Um, <laughs> it's just improved offense, better scheme. Um, and hopefully just getting him the ball in better situations. Nick, give us both. All right, for my uh, bold running back prediction, Miles Sanders finishes as a top six running back this year. Uh, the Eagles have a middling overall strength schedule uh, for Warren Sharp. They're coming with the ninth, ninth softest slate of run, run defense blend and a tenth softest uh, pass. The reason I bring that up is that they were sending this dude downfield on vertical routes. He's an extremely talented, extremely athletic, two-way running back right now all they got back there is Boston Scott to, to help spell him uh this is the season where we see Miles Sanders break out for 1500 yards double digit touchdowns he's gonna insert himself firmly into the uh the the elite of the running back core uh as far as my number one running back target it is James Conner but since we've already said everything that could be said about him I'll skip over to the backup option uh Ryquel Armstead Ryquel Armstead excuse me uh, he's an he's a, a, a an athletic running back. He's coming off the board number sixty two, or in some formats, undrafted. Midlink uh, strength of schedule per Warren Sharp, but the per Warren Sharp, but the sixth softest run defense blend. Um, the reason that I like Armstead is because of how much I dislike Lenny Fournette this year. Last season, I was I was big on Fournette because I like John DiFilippo. He was a uh, pass to the running back guy on early downs. Fournette, he in PPR leagues was excellent in that regard. Although he struggled in the touchdown department, he caught a, a career high uh, like 76 passes. Uh, when they had their their two week buy or whatever that was, there, there was that quote from Fournette where he was asked what he did during their two weeks off, and he said, "I stayed in bed and ate gumbo." And that was it's such an uh, an all encapsulating. Uh, comment from Leonard Fournette, who has been a guy who has always had work ethic issues. He puts himself on the outs with the coaching staff. During the draft, they were openly talking about trading him. I cannot imagine that he is in a good mood right now. And although you could say, oh, I think that might make him work real hard, the opposite has been true in the past. I am fully off the Leonard Fournette uh, bandwagon, and I think it's feasible that it, one outburst from him and he's just off the team. Uh my bold prediction to wrap things up, my bold prediction, I'm going to go Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley reminds us all that Todd Gurley is actually really freaking good at football when he is healthy. I saw, and I tweeted it out on the RB1 Twitter feed, uh, that you know he was doing one-legged presses with a lot of weight on either side. So tell me that knee isn't great, you guys. I know. That's, that's it right there. That's all you need to know. Draft Todd Gurley everywhere. So, uh, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you where Todd Gurley places. I'm going to tell you that Todd Gurley leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns in 2020. Uh, and that's just how much confidence I have in him on the field. Number one targets for running backs. I am targeting, uh, Le'Veon Bell. I know it's like a crime to buy into the jets at all, but Le'Veon Bell is one of those running backs who unquestionably it's his backfield. And I think that a full year removed from his year off, uh, in, not playing football, he's going to come actually ready to play. I'm also Clark for you, Matt Breida. Let's say Matt Breida stays healthy in Miami. Jordan Howard's going to beat him out for the number one gig. Not nah, sorry, Jordan Howard. So I think Matt Breida is a guy who you can target. He's going RB 41 in PPR leagues. Like 
he's a guy who you can target kind of in those middle rounds who if he takes over that RB1 job and stays healthy, that's a big workload that he's going to be walking into. And we know he can produce when he's got that. Oh, thanks, Pete. Hey. After you spurned me with our Kenyan-Drake combo, I decided I was going to be the bigger man and uh, and throw you some love. You know, that's just how I do. Excellent. All right. Well, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, the whole nine yards. We are there. Uh, leave us a review. Drop a comment. If you got a comment or a question to ask us, we'll make sure to answer it on the show. Just leave it in the iTunes or anywhere comments. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. You can follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. And Nick, you can follow at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week. Stay safe out there, everyone. Until then, peace.